Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host Brian Hoffmeyer here with my co-host Ben Brandell. And today we're going to be talking about a great weekend that we had last week. Uh, I think Ben and I, I'll speak for both of us here, but mm-hmm. this, this weekend was just a blessing to us. It's just one of those weekends in your lives that uh, when it's over, you're just so thankful that, that you were able to experience it. In particular, we're going to be talking about a fishing tournament that you and I partook in together. Uh, also, we took our little boys on an overnight backpacking trip. Yes. Uh, for, for my little boy, who's three, Hayes, mm-hmm. it was his first uh, we've been talking about it leading up to it, and your little boy's a little older. He's six, almost seven. Uh, not his first one. He's been on a few, right? How many has he been on? It, two. Two. A couple two. now. So yep. just something that we're trying to instill, not only that it's fun to go do, but that we spend, we have man days, boy days, that we go do these things together. Um, uh, and they loved it, so we can't wait to share all the details of that journey with you. But first, we're going to start with our bass tournament. We went and fished a bass tournament together. Um, but so that you guys kind of understand us, Ben, I want to hear your fishing journey. How'd you become a fisherman? And then how did being a fisherman turn into tournament angling? Ooh, tournament angling. I still, I miss that a lot. Yeah. Um, so a little bit about my, my past, um, family, you know, family is so important, um, to me today. That's why we took our boys out, which we'll talk about, but family is why I love to fish. Um, grandpas, uncles. Even my dad, um, even friends uh, that I have, good friends, uh, their uncles took me out fishing as well. So at a young age, um, getting started in the fishing world. How old up were into, you when you first started, do you think? I actually can't recall. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how young I was. Um, I've seen pictures, you know, so I would probably say around my son's age, about probably six or so. But, yeah. uh, you know, family may say, oh, we took you a lot earlier than that. So I, I don't recall my memories of you were uh, young. Though. I was young, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Uh, my memories of of fishing to where I I truly started having that like passion, you know, that desire to go yeah. do it, um, was in middle school, and you know, thinking back on that, reflecting back on that right now, it was, it was first to be with them, you know. I mean, the, the fishing part, especially today, you and me doing it, it is a blast. Yeah. But being with family um, is the memory, you know, going and experiencing it with them. Um, but it was in middle school. Um, an uncle of mine, um, took me to my very first bass tournament and I mean, I remember the entirety of that. I mean, just, it was a thrill. Did you just go to it or did you, you were his partner in this tournament? I was his partner. Yeah. 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 So he took us out, um, you know, his boat. Um, so we went out and, and again, that was in middle school. Um, learned a lot, you know, learned a lot about the Texas rig. (laughs) It's kind of the family, uh, the, the family lure, but, um, you know, yeah, getting out, that competition style of that we have to catch these fish um, in order to win. And that is so different. Adds a new element to it, fishing. It's, it's a completely different. It's different than just going down to the riverside, even going out in a boat and just casting yeah. um, and, and hoping to catch one. It's it's that I've got to catch one. So did you, after it was over, you liked it? You're like, I have to do this again? Oh, or? it's a thrill. It's a rush. Yeah, yeah even at a young age. Um, and, and then even seeing, you know, it was a it was a, a tournament that, that other – um, you saw many anglers bring children too, so um, I do not remember the the name of the tournament because I was that young. But I just remember seeing a lot of other kids and wanting to um, do better. Do you at, remember how you did? 
Uh, I can assure you that we never won. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea. I I do remember one fish um, that I weighed in. Yeah. Um, but again, those memories come back from really just uh, watching my uncle, like uh, spending time with him, that whole experience, and then and that thrill of like we gotta, you know, we gotta get it, get the net, you yeah. know, all the all those memories that come with it. But from middle school, um, continuing that journey on, um, even getting into high school, starting to to kind of branch out away from from the bass side. So love bass, but and still keeping to do that, uh, still continuing to do that, but getting into like fishing for white bass, um, crappie. And then, you know, my grandpa is starting to take me sucker grabbing. Mm-hmm. That is that is awesome. Um, you know, in short, sucker grabbing is taking a treble hook with a weight on the line. So you like fishing. I love fishing. For anything. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, and you're, you're literally jerking um, through schools of fish, the sucker, school of sucker. Yeah, um, that, that'd probably be a good might be a good topic to highlight do a whole podcast about it sure would it would and it's, grabbing suckers it, that is an awesome thing that that we do want to highlight in the future but um again just branching out and doing different types of fishing to then getting into college um i did join the the uh the college fishing team yeah um didn't do great at that but i did join the central pro-am tournament um down here in missouri southern part of missouri um fishing uh the lakes in missouri arkansas and oklahoma and that was really wasn't on my own as a co-angler. Right. So you were on the amateur side, mm-hmm. fishing with pros. You'd get a sign. You'd fish back of the boat. The back of the boat. <laughs> what was that experience <laughs> like? I've never done that. So I love hearing some of uh, people's experiences with co-anglers because some interesting stories. Yeah. So not to get too far from fishing, but life is all about relationship. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. It's about people. Um, and in the boat, who you had mattered. So if it was somebody that truly cared to help you and guide you, um, it made the experience amazing. Absolutely so amazing. Did did you have some guys that you fished with that you were just like Yes. You any names? Anybody anybody would know or anything you want to throw out there? I'm not gonna throw anything out there, but you had two sides of the coin, right? So okay. you, you did have guys that again were just totally gave you all that they could, even though they still had to compete. And in, in that central pro-am, you have your pros or your boaters that are competing against the other boaters. Mm-hmm. And then you have the amateur side. So you have the, the guy in the back, me, that are competing against the amateurs in the other boats. And so it does have an impact on your on your pro and your boater because they have to catch their fish too. Yeah. And and if whatever I catch could, in theory, be a fish that they didn't, you know, get to, to tag. Well, to, and you're, you're fishing how they fish. Yeah. I mean, if they're... If they're speed fishing, beating the bank, you're not you're not dragging the jig, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so you would have the other side of the coin where it was just like they made an imaginary line in the middle of the boat, and mm-hmm. you did not get to to cast past it, which means you never got to cast forward. Right. You're pretty much so straight in front of you. Always fishing you. where they just fished. Where they just fished. Yeah. 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 And so that that experience uh, that experience alone opened my eyes to the tournament world, mm-hmm. um, and that kind of set up my understanding of there's a lot of time money lots of money um to get into something like that and dedication you know Mm -hmm. and and i didn't know what i wanted to do at the time and so um i kind of stepped away from that tournament side for a little while but again um growing up family just taking me all the time until then i could drive and then now i'm going everywhere i can go um, now that i got four wheels so let me ask you this 
if life presented the opportunity to pursue. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, yeah, to pursue uh, a fishing career. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you have wife and kids and and a business and all those things now. Um, what do you, what would you what would you you think you would take that opportunity up, or do you think that those days are behind you? Remind it reminds me of a story. Okay. Um, so <clears throat> before I started at the um, Missouri State University, mm-hmm. um, before I started attending there. Um, I went in to talk to an advisor, and they were like, what do you want to do? Yeah. And I was like, I was hoping you'd tell me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you don't know what to do. Life don't seem to work like that, nope. does it? Um, but that advisor began to ask me questions like, what's your passion? What do you love? You know, and so I shared fishing. I, fishing you know, in my brain, answer. I wanted to fish professionally. It was it was like the not only the cool thing to do, but it was, it was my passion, you mm-hmm. know. And so they sent me to the rec department um recreation sport and park administration which is where i ended up um graduating you know with and that's been it was awesome so glad that i ended up there but that world is so different than fishing right and um today you can probably easily go through your college career um getting into the fishing world and then continuing on yeah well the time that you were fishing in college is so much different Correct. than college fishing now. Yes, I mean, yeah, it hurts your feelings, but you're old. <laughs> I so am getting there. These big programs, Auburn and Mississippi, and even Missouri State and Drury here locally has an awesome fishing uh, fishing yeah. team. Uh, the, this big collegiate chain that's affiliated with some of these bigger tournament trails, Bassmaster and and MLF and all that. That that wasn't around yet. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was more club fishing than anything. Well, that's where the, I think the central program scale. was so important in my time yeah. because it, it allowed me an opportunity to go and still experience it. Um, but yes, I would love to to get back in that one day when I'll let the the good Lord decide that. And I'm asking you this because I genuinely don't know what happened to Central Program. I actually don't know either. They're not, um, they're, it's not around anymore, right? I really don't know, Brian. I know that uh, I know that it, it stopped for a while, yeah. um, and I haven't heard of it since. Hmm. Um, it doesn't mean that someone didn't buy it or pick it back up, right? Um, it, because of what we're doing nowadays, um, I have I, I don't spend a lot of time looking at that. Yeah. But um, man, it, it was a blast, and and I know there's some other opportunities out there that are probably similar that that you um, anyone listening could could research, go out and try and, and get some experience in. But so um, before. Before I get to telling my fishing journey, mm-hmm. where just kind of give us a summary of where your where your fishing uh, I'll use quotation career is at now. Um, guiding. Okay. You know, um, you know, for the past six years, um, I'm kind of speaking for Brian too. We were in and out of of whether it would be fly fishing, um, even taking kids out, just teaching them how to to use a fishing pole in the backyard, to then mm-hmm. taking them somewhere to a pond, um, to teach them the basics the yeah. basics of of rod and reel um to then how to even jerk yeah <laughs> you know um but that's that's been a teaching the teaching side of the fishing world more than the competitive side and well you and i will hop in a, a local tournament we do have then. to yes i mean yeah. it's in our Just, blood so we have to keep and and that's what i can't wait for your for you to share too, get our fix um man that that this weekend was awesome it was good so well i appreciate you sharing that um i'll go ahead and share mine it's a lot different than yours. Mm-hmm. Um, the beginning's kind of the same. Uh, started out with family. You know, we, right. I was 
super, super blessed that um, when I was a young kid, we owned a farm. It was on the river, on the Gasconade River. We had river frontage, so I had a place to go fish. I could walk from the house and go fish. Um, and I have a vivid memory. One of my earliest memories in my life I was three years old on the Gasconade River, and I caught that first smallmouth. And ever since then, I think that's been my favorite fish uh, from the fight. They're just so, they're, they're beautiful. I remember the bait that I caught it on. It was a plum-colored worm with a red tail. And just the underneath side of that, I call it a fire tail. Mm. And I actually still have some. And they're just in a Ziploc baggie. I'll probably never use them. They're sentimental. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are that old. They are from when I was three. So over 30 years ago. That's, that's how old crazy. those worms are. That's crazy. Um, but I remember they that. They melted at all? No. Well, they probably were able to use. They don't some make it like things. they used to. Yeah, that's probably, what I'll say. They yeah. able to use some different things back then. But I remember that, that Texas rigged worm. I remember the black and gray Zebco I was using, uh, standing on the bank. You know, I remember the. I remember the shorts I had on. I had blue, red, and black striped shorts. Like it, it, it was so ingrained in me that how cool that moment was. Over thirty years ago, as a three-year-old boy, I remember that. So. I, not only as a fisherman, I think that really, those moments really instilled um, me as an outdoorsman mm-hmm. moving forward. That's what, that created those passion to, to be outside, experience the outdoors. But had my father not taken me down there, that would have never happened. So Yeah, and I want to echo that. I mean, yeah. it, it really does go back to the people that are taking you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that, that was huge in my... And it doesn't necessarily have to be a parent or a family member. No. I think that's best. Because of those relationships those and the bonding, right. the, the bonding that happens to that is so strong. But um, when the first it, time that I went f- the fly fishing was with um, my friend's uncle, yeah, you know, he kind of introduced me to that because at the time my family w- was not doing that, yeah. so it was that other other side of the fishing world. And the point of that is, if if you are an outdoorsman, really with anything though, if if you have something valuable um, to share with somebody and you have the opportunity to share it then you should share it out of out of care and selflessness. Mm-hmm. Um, share that with that person. It, it could change their life. Um, it could change generations, honestly. So, yeah, uh, but, but look, I want to hear a little bit about you. So, yeah, so, so from, from three-year-olds ca- catching that fish, you know, my whole life growing up, my dad was always a fisherman. He got into tournament angling later in his life, um, but I never really, I never really tournament angled. I never fished a tournament with him, but I would go out and practice with him. Uh, you know, he always had a boat and started out with a little Boston whaler skiff. You know, I can remember being out on the Mississippi river going over barge waves in this little skiff, but we were going fishing. So I wasn't scared. I didn't care. I was going fishing. I was excited. (laughs) Um, from there, you know, dad finally got a ranger, old ranger bass boat. And so I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. We could go fast now. I, we had a bass boat like the other guys. So love to go out fishing with my dad, but never really got into tournament angling. Uh, it was always just kind of a recreation thing for me. I was really into sports. I was really into hunting. Fishing was kind of secondary. Always loved it, but did it like you, everything from catfishing, trout fishing, uh, loved to bass fish. We talked about catching sunfish, bluegill, pretty much anything crappie that you could catch. I, I was catching it. But then I met you. Mm-hmm. So we started working together uh, at the at Lambert's Cafe. Uh, this is probably, what, 12, 13 years ago at least now. Uh, connected that we were outdoorsmen, and you were like, well, have you ever fished a tournament? And I was like, well, no, but I'd love to try. So you invited me to go fish a tournament. We did. Uh, I absolutely loved it. It wasn't big. I think 30, 40 boats or something like that. And I think we got third place in that first one. 
Yeah, we and, were in the top. And it was just that <laughs> I've always been in sports, and you know, kind of annoyingly, I'm competitive. Very competitive. Like to the point where I hurt myself in a race that I'm not trained for <laughs> because I won't quit. I'm too, I don't like to lose more than I like to win. Uh, so adding competition into something that I already like just really put it over the top for me. So now I love to study fishing. Uh, I like try to stay up on all the trends, all the new research, all the everything. Uh, you and I hop in several tournaments a year um, when time and money allows. We fished some big ones. The biggest one probably you and I have ever fished. We fished the, the Bass Pro US Open this yes, year, which was an experience all in itself. Mm -hmm. um, I do, yeah, we don't have time for that whole story. It was painful. That's all I'll say. It was painful. Uh, we learned from it. Not quite sure what we learned yet, but we did learn from it. Um, so you, Ben, kind of instilled that love for tournament angling um, in me. And mm -hmm. I do. I, I I love it. I love the fish. But fishing a tournament is a whole nother level. And I just absolutely love the rush, the thrill, the pace yeah. um, to all that. So getting to go out and do this last weekend with you was great. That was our first. Was that our first one this year? Yes, it was. Yeah, it was our yeah. first one since since December. So you know, first one of twenty twenty two. And before getting into that tournament, I think, you know, there are different types of, of anglers. There's different types of people that, that want to go fish for different reasons. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you do have that competitive side. You personally and people um have the competitive side where that tournament fishing is perfect for them. But it's um, not you're right, it's not for everybody. It isn't for everybody. And then you do have people that love to go out, cast a line and wait. Mm -hmm. You know, um, they just enjoy being there in that environment and that surrounding. Um, you also have people that are just going sometimes, uh, if I take my wife, um, I know other friends and, and people will take other members out and they'll read a book. You yeah. want to read the book in the boat while the other fish is. I but mean, they're that's out. they're out. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you have all these different types and you know, for me, I'm going because I either want food. So when I talked about white bass earlier, suckers, even we're going to get to a little food later on here. You know, yeah. Um, that for me is, is why I'm doing it. And mm -hmm. then on the other side, I do enjoy just going out and trying to catch fish. But when you could add that one more layer to, you know, bass fishing of a little bit of competition, it just, mm -hmm. for me, it, it, man, it sends me over the top. Yeah. Something I'd like to add to that as outdoors, men and women, whether it's hunting or fishing or even in the recreation side, um, I mean, it could be disc golf or mountain bike. I think as a group, say a culture of outdoors people, we should be more supportive of each other. Mm -hmm. So just because, Ben, maybe um, you like to go snag spoonbill, but you're not a bass fisherman, and I'm a bass fisherman, we should be supportive of each other and not not talking bad about the thing that person likes or what they love. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think... I think we should be supportive of anybody that's going out and spending time outdoors, following the rules and regulations, and, and enjoying God's creation. I don't mm -hmm. think we should be negative of what or how somebody else does it. So right. I would just encourage you uh, to support anybody spending time fishing, hunting, mountain biking, whatever they're doing outdoors. Absolutely. I think that's a great point, Brian, because there you, you'll see that sometimes on the water, yeah. you know, um, and there's just a respect that we should be giving all around mm -hmm. for sure the lake is big enough for everybody <laughs> most of the most time, of the time. <laughs> except for uh saturday the second week of april when the fish are all on beds that's and right and it's 75 degrees that's right <laughs> <laughs> so uh now that we kind of know our stories let's get into the tournament mm -hmm. um 
So this was off, a fundraiser. Yeah. So start off, it was a fundraiser. Yeah. Um, you know, starting that morning. Um, we love to look for those. Yeah. Because most of the time we're donating our money anyway, so it might as well be going to a good cause. <laughs> going to a good cause. You know, Brian and I... is a local family. It is. But Brian and I, almost every time that we've entered into anything, um, we're always just right there. You know, we're not there. We're just right there. And so what I mean by that is, is just starting off in that day, um, we were running late. You know, we get down there... Um, there was we had kind of a hard time getting our boat in the water. Yes. Kind of had some boat problems, like we always seem to do. When we pulled, so there was two roads you could pull into the boat ramp, mm-hmm. and we chose right. We should have went left. There was no signs or anything, but as we went right, as we we're going down this steep hill with Very a huge steep. curve in it, mm-hmm. everybody that just put their boat in was trying to come out. Mm-hmm. One lane, <laughs> and it's dark. Mm-hmm. One lane. Um, so we were able to get off to the side, but people followed our direction and there were two other trucks and boats that had followed us in and they actually ended up having to back out there was nowhere to go so it was kind of a predicament um but that that was kind of our our start to the morning it was yeah. we finally got out got in the correct line to launch the boat and uh we realized that our our trim wasn't working mm-hmm. correctly mm-hmm. I, there was something else too what else were we i, I just i remember the trim yeah. Um, because like we could a, not move the motor. We couldn't time. move it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, we worked through that like we always do. Got it going. Um, you know, we got out on the water. It was a beautiful morning. Um, absolutely beautiful. And, and it just felt right. Just felt like we, that's where we were supposed to be. Yeah. And so we took off. Um, we entered the tournament, like mm-hmm. literally registered and paid after the tournament had launched. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But we're, we're like towards the end, yeah. you know. Um, there's 50 some boats. I, I think said. there's 55 yeah. boats and we were 50. Um, you know, Brian's good with numbers. So he always remembers that stuff. I'm, <laughs> I'm always just in the moment what's yeah. happening, but, uh, you know, so we go to take off and, and you, you gotta remember, you gotta know that we didn't do any pre anything. No pre you know, It was just no like, let's nothing. just go do this because yeah. we just love it. And so we didn't know where to go. So we just thought we'll go down river and that's, that's what we did. Um, you know, what was exciting for me about that is, is, you got to start looking around you. Um, it's what I call situational awareness. If I want to teach any classes, that Put, situation, putting situation the puzzle awareness. pieces together, putting them together. And, you know, we started finding areas that we were like, well, you know, the, the conditions are, are looking good for this or that. And so as we started looking around, we kind of started seeing this steep rock and, and like, well, let's fish, let's do yeah. this pull over here and just start. And that's what we did. Um, you know, we didn't do very well in the be- right there in the very beginning. Well, that first stop, we real quick. I mean, we fished a couple hundred yards, um, no bites, right. saw no bait and no fish um, on the grass, uh, no birds around. Like, you know, we're there's still loons around, so we're looking for loons. Uh, so we pretty quick knew um, <laughs> that first stop was not it, mm-hmm. and so obviously we're gonna look for something different than than that first stop. And we did, and and you know we basically just jumped to the other side, so we were fishing on one side of the, of the waterway, and we jumped to the other side and, yeah. and went down, maybe another couple hundred, maybe maybe a football field or so down. And well, we were we were driving, and we looked over, and we saw a couple fish come up several hundred yards away, and then we didn't really know where we were. We were not familiar with this area of that lake, or really that lake that much at all. So you went over there, and as soon as, I mean, kind of like most bass fishermen, let's start at the point. Yeah. Let's start at the point. It's always a any time of year it's a great spot. 
when we pulled up there, we saw a loon. And if you guys don't know, loon are going to follow the bait, mm-hmm. as do the bass that we're looking for. So uh, kind of cued us in that there was some bait around. And immediately, once we dropped the trolling motor, saw some bait, started seeing some, graphing some fish um, within a few casts of that second stop. Boom. Boom. Ben got one. Yeah, and it was a mean mouth. Yeah. I think I think that was my second a mean, mean mouth. mouth. Why yeah. don't you tell everybody what a mean mouth is? Uh, you know, a mean mouth is going to be a cross. It's going to be it's a, a hybrid. hybrid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hybrid of a um, spotted a, bass. And a small and, mouth. And a small mouth. And yeah. so when you look at that bass, it at first looks like a small mouth. But then as you, you take your second glance, you're like, that doesn't that doesn't look right. right. You know? So um, it is that, I guess we'd call it a hybrid. Um, a cross between them. And, and it fought well. It was nice a great fish. fight. Yeah. About, about um, two and a half, two and three quarter pound fish. And that's when you get that first fish in the boat. It feels yeah. good. Puts puts some wind in your sails you know? for for the day, yeah. You know, and tip, especially within the first hour like that. Right, right. Yeah. And a tip on the tournament side, when you are fishing a tournament, your goal is to catch one fish. Yeah. So one. catch one fish. Well, I thought you got to weigh in five. Well, you have to, but if you don't have five, you ain't weighing in five. You can't get to so two catch without one. One fish, and after you get the one fish caught, then you got to catch... One more fish. One more fish. There's one yeah. fish. So and focus so, on that bite is what he's trying to say. Focus on right. that next bite. And so, um, yeah, we started kind of getting getting some good bites. We got into fish, caught some shorts, mm-hmm. uh, caught some keepers. We ended up putting a, a limit together. Um, you know, by the afternoon, I think, Brian, you were able to start calling a few. I think you'd caught some some keepers that we were able to call with, and and um, we were feeling good. I mean, it was just a – we'd kind of figured out that pattern, and it felt good. Yeah, it did. Um, throughout the day, though, we had – some surprises. So we knew we'd worked up to that nine, 10 pounds. I had guessed when the tournament started, it was going to take about 20 pounds to win the tournament. This, this lake, uh, has that potential and it was fishing good. And we knew there was some good, uh, some good sticks in the tournament. Um, so we knew that we we're going to have to, to add some weight to do anything. Right. Um, but just a couple hours into the morning, I think we were probably, we probably had three or four bass in the live well. Um, Pulled up to a new spot, and within a cast or two, I got a bite, and I set the hook, and whatever I set the hook on didn't move, but yeah, I th- fought. Yeah, I thought you were you were snagged or hung, you know, yeah. you call it, which your, would mean your bait is stuck to a tree, rock, you know, it ain't moving. Yeah, and then uh, drag started pulling, uh-huh. and I said, Ben, this is a big fish. Yes. This is a big fish. But he, and, no, 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 no. He didn't say it that way. He said, net, big, big one, net, net, right? So <laughs> I maybe get a little excited. <laughs> so I'm scrambling for the net as he's, uh, man, working that fish. Yeah. But a couple of turns of the handle in, you know, 30 seconds into the fight, I started to have those doubts real quick. Mm-hmm. I said, Ben, this may not be a bass. I said, this is either a huge smallmouth or a catfish, I think I said. Because it was pulling straight down, just digging straight down, pulling drag. And then I kind of started to feel it roll. Then I had that thought of, oh, there's drum in this mm-hmm. lake. So then I'm now I'm like, this could be a catfish or a drum. And I just could not, I couldn't get this fish to come up. 12-pound test, medium-heavy rod. This fish was winning. It was mm-hmm. it was winning the battle. And even a big bass, like, you're going to make some some leeway on that. So my heart kind of started sinking, and sure enough, get that thing up, and it was a it was a drum, and it was huge. It was so big that we wanted to take the time to weigh it. Um, it was eight and a half pounds. It was an eight and a half pound drum, barely fit in the net. Barely fit in there, the net. It was huge. It was fun to catch. Any other day, it would have probably been more fun. 
But for non-tournament fishermen, a drum does not work. It, you can't add that to your... Cannot add that to the live will in a bass <laughs> to tournament. Well. So had to let it go yep. and move on and let your adrenaline just keep you going, yeah. you know? Um, so then it was it was was about another hour or so when we went to another point and boy I I mean I had a thump. Yeah. So by this time the sun had kind of gotten higher and the we feel felt like the fish had moved up mm-hmm. a little shallower. So we're kind of fishing around bushes. You are fishing light line on a spinning rod, six pound test fluorocarbon with a little tiny one aught hook, mm-hmm. a little tiny worm. And you get a huge bite, and I you mean, immediately said, "Big, that's a big fish." Big fish, yeah. yeah. And I didn't say it, you know, net net like you did, but you I said it, it came out of that bush and thumped it. I did. It thumped it hard, and I, I was yelling for net. Um, and yeah, it, it fought really well. I mean, I was so pumped. Again, in tournament competition, you're trying to catch the biggest fish possible. Yeah. And when you think you got one on, boy, it feels good. Um, you know, halfway into to retrieving this fish. It kind of just sat heavy. You, you know, started it kind of your fighting. doubts, didn't you? And there are my doubts yeah. um, started. And as I got it in, it was um, the biggest walleye I've ever caught. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was big. It was so big, we're guessing seven. My biggest ever was like around that eight pound. I knew it was under that, so we were guessing seven, seven pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, it weighed in at uh, six and a quarter. Yeah. Six so. and a quarter pounds, it's, which huge. That's a big, huge it, walleye. It is big, yeah. But if you haven't ever caught a walleye, they have teeth everywhere. And Ben caught this thing on six-pound test fluorocarbon, so that hook had to just be in the right spot. Right. So what he's saying is that is that fluorocarbon um, is that clear line that you're going to see, and it doesn't take a whole lot to cut. I mean, just any kind of tooth, any kind of snag, and you put any pressure on that, your line breaks. It's, right. It's done. Plus, I had six-pound test on. Yeah. Right. And so it was a tiny we, line. we found out that this walleye is over six pounds. So yeah. thankfully, it quit fighting. Um, but she, it looked like she'd been spawning. She was up shallow there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, she, she came in, um, got her in and I looked at Brian, like I'm keeping this. Thing. Yeah. We put it in the live well. <laughs> so it went in the live well and, um, yeah, we got to eat it. Yeah. You get some of those good steaks off a of walleye. You make some, some walleye fingers. That's like a, almost a chicken strip. I mean, Yes, chicken of the sea some, for sure. Yeah, some so, of the best eaten. It yeah, and it was it was a big steak. I mean, it it fed a family of four. So. Yeah. So that was kind of it for the day. We actually caught more drum, so we had a couple more really good bites where we set the hook, and I really thought we were going to have those big kicker fish that were going to put us into the money. Unfortunately, it never happened. But I've caught two or three drum my whole life, and that day we caught four: an yeah. eight and a half pounder, two seven pounders, and a five pounder. Plus that big walleye. So five different times we thought we had the fish, the kicker fish was going to put us over the edge. It didn't happen. It was still an awesome day, though. It was awesome. We caught a lot of fish, probably 25 bass or so, a couple of limits. We only cold up to uh, 10.7 pounds is what we ended with. Um, it took 18.3 pounds to win mm-hmm. and 13 to get a check. They paid the top five. So we were one fish away. Yep. We're one fish away again. Seems to be right our story. Always right there. Uh, right. We'll get there one day. We're, we'll keep fishing. Um, but we had such a great time. We really awesome did time. have a great time. Yep. So, But that right there would have been a great weekend. Mm-hmm. It didn't stop there. didn't stop. So we went home. Uh, I think that was Saturday. We went into Sunday, did church with our families, mm-hmm. started putting gear together. Uh, and that night we, we took the boys out. Took the boys. Boys becoming men one day. Yeah, yeah we took them out. Um, we actually did a backpacking trip, so 
so that's it's a little different than car camping. You know, a lot of people think like camping or maybe have that image of driving uh, to a, a concrete pad with a fire pit and kind of hanging out there by the car. But um, I personally believe it is more impactful. It's more rewarding to to be away from that vehicle, to be away from that that shelter that you're craving. You that know, security the, blanket. Security. Yeah. yeah. And so we did an actual backpacking trip with our three year old and six year old. Yeah. And you know, Bodie, take him on a couple of them. Um, he's getting to that age now where he's remembering it. You know, mm-hmm. now he's starting to learn things and, and wants to do it again, which is awesome. Um, but while we were out there, I fitted Bodie with his own backpack. And I think for me, that's so important that I instill in my kid to carry some of your weight. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, your, well, your even, age. Even my three-year-old had to carry something. Yes, he did. Yeah. Yes, he did. He had a backpack on, had some crops in there. Paw Patrol right? backpack. Yes, right. <laughs> um, but, you know. It's important for them to to understand those basics and to to carry some of their weight, even yeah. if it's just. Uh, and in life, you've got to carry your weight. Body weight. Yeah, yeah. you got to carry your weight. Sometimes, and, sometimes more than other times. Absolutely. Um, and so we began our journey. You know, we we set off and um, we we probably hiked about. I'd I was going to say before y'all think we're crazy. This isn't a six seven mile trek. You know, we we took these boys. Um, it was family land. We hiked them in. Maybe a mile. Yeah, I was gonna say just probably a little under a mile. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you got to judge that. That's just a judgment call right. in the moment, and and knowing your own child. But mm-hmm. we knew that we could we could get there even if we had to take breaks. And right. and we knew that a little bit of encouragement would would go a long way. And, yeah. And that's what we did. And you know we got in, we got there, and that's once you get there, you, you know, you feel like you're so far away from from that security mm-hmm. and. Boy, that feels good. Yeah, it feels good for for me as a father to to see them handle that. You know, a little bit of of new area. Oh, I have to sleep here. Oh, I have to eat here. Oh, and I have to go to the bathroom. Yeah, you know everything. Your life is now everything. out here with only with what is in your backpack. Something really cool um, that we try to do um, in our classes, but particularly on this trip with our children, is let them have some say in what we're doing. So we let them pick. We took them to the area, but we let them pick the spot where we are camping. Obviously, if it's a very poor decision, you can kind of steer them where they need to go. But let them have some say in what we're doing, where we put the tents, where we put the hammocks, uh, where's yeah, the firing, me, where's all that go. Let me share an example of that. So, you know, uh, we let the boys decide where, where they wanted to put their tent up. Yeah. Right? So I was just encouraging them to find a place that's as flat as possible because this dad... <laughs> yeah, want to get a little sleep. Wants to get a little sleep, yeah. right? So I was encouraging them to find a flat spot. Well, they did. They did great at finding a flat spot. But when we stood on top of it, it was pretty mushy. You know, yeah. it, it was muddy. And so I, I explained to them, literally just being open and honest, that you guys did an amazing job finding a flat spot. Yeah. But we don't want to sleep on mud. So let's continue, find one more, yeah. and we'll get there. You know, and so it's really being open and honest with your kids, yeah. but encouraging them too. And this is a simple trip, guys. Um, we hiked in. Mm-hmm. We set up camp. Mm-hmm. We cook supper mm-hmm. over the fire. Mm-hmm. Let the boys play till dark. Um, we even stayed a little after dark. Yeah, I think it's there. Uh, not only the memories, but we stayed up around the fire. What you're saying after dark? Well, yeah. I'm going to say that that fire. I mean, being around a campfire yeah. is mesmerizing. Yeah, you know, there's something about it that is rewarding too. There's growth there too, though. I mean, mm-hmm. my son being three, um, several months ago. Out, we, we've got five acres where we live, and we're out in the back of that. And during daylight, a coyote literally ran right up to us within 20 yards. 
Um, and he thought it was a dog, and I explained it wasn't a dog. So ever since that moment, because it was right at dusk, ever since that moment, um, he's kind of had a fear of the dark. So being out there where there were no lights, just that fire, and him living through that and now having the understanding like, this dark can't hurt me, uh, I think is really powerful and there's and there's growth to be had there. So I didn't want him as soon as it got dark, even though he did try a few times just to go to bed, because right as it got dark, which was around, I think, 8 o'clock, he said, uh, well, Daddy, my, my tummy hurts, because he knew I'd say, let's... He thought I would say, let's go lay down, but I knew I knew the game he was trying to play. And mm-hmm. once we got the fire going and got down and started talking, he was comfortable. And he stayed up till, yeah, a couple hours after dark, and it was great. And he, he kind of got over that fear, so it was powerful. Um, but, yeah, set up camp, cooked supper, sat around the bonfire, went to bed, slept, got up, cooked breakfast, played a little bit, let the boys throw rocks in the creek, took a little bit of a side hike, not very far, just to kind of explore a little bit cleaned up camp and packed out so there's not big games there's not big entertainment but these boys loved it mm-hmm. they absolutely loved it they're still talking about it um hopefully this these are memories that are going to stick with them and impact them for a while so this doesn't have to be big and extravagant you should pack the supplies that you need to go so that you, all your essentials are covered but ben do you think this is something that people should be doing oh and 100%. and if so what what do they need to do it you know and and comparison uh, if you're talking about fishing tournaments, that isn't always best for everyone, right? Yeah. But fishing is. Yeah. So take your kids fishing. Absolutely. Same goes for getting them outdoors, doing hiking and backpacking. Get them out there, even if it's in your own backyard. Yeah. Have them camp in a tent. Start there, right? Your backyard is such an awesome place to start. I, which my son wants to do every night now since he got <laughs> to sleep in his sleeping bag. Up. Yeah. You know, I remember, uh, uh, my son and I, we we stayed in our living room inside the tent. Yeah. Well, the first time just exposing him to the tent, how it works, how we would use it one day when we went out. And we started indoors. Mm-hmm. Well, that's That works. And so kind of we indoors to the yard. And yeah. now he's six years old and he's backpack overnight. He's ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. So some items that, that we always take, um, again, you can do this. Uh, you first have to find your location. You know, there's going to be places around your area that you can go. Um, if you need to contact the departments that own that land, definitely do that. Like if it's public land, like public a lot land. of our state land here, mm-hmm. you can camp, but you need to call the number and get the permit to camp there. So follow the rules and regulations. Follow them always. Second is you may know landowners, right? So talk mm-hmm. with them. Um, and you, they, don't, you don't know till you ask. You don't know till you ask. But find your location. Once you have your location set, you just need to ensure, especially if it's an, just one night, right? You just need to ensure that you're taking food, fire, shelter, water. If you have those four things, you are set. And the fun part about backpacking is you get to decide which items you want to take within those four. You right. Know? Yeah. For us, we made it. It was very simple. We did take tents. Yep. Um, we slept in tents. We thought that'd be more beneficial to have, you know, especially for your three-year-old walls. Right. You know, to yeah. feel that that enclosure. That security them, a little security bit. Yeah. a little bit. Um, you know, but then moving into our fire, it wasn't a bonfire. It was just a normal campfire. Mm-hmm. Very small. Um, we were able to do that because of the location we were at. We were just you know, burning twigs. Yeah. yeah. We, we made basically a, a twiggy fire yeah. is what it is. And we roasted um, some brats. and Marshmallows. I even, we did a foil pack meal. If you don't know what that is, look that up. Look yeah. up foil packs. You can pre-make your meal in foil in a, in a rolled up foil, and you slap that on the fire. But there are so many options out there for you um, that you can do it. You know, water, yeah, that took up most of our weight in the backpack, but... 
there's other things I can I can take out to to still be able to carry that right. weight. So we didn't um, even really take clothes. No, you didn't. Need, you don't really need, had what we had. Yeah. yeah, just take make sure you have your warm clothes. It's going to be cool. Yeah, nobody cares if you stink out there. No, you're not yeah. showering. No, you're, yeah. you don't need to change clothes. Um, you're just taking the basics. Getting out there. You're basically spending one night in the outdoors. You know, with your family. Yeah. Two comforts though. Ben doesn't go anywhere without his pillow. The yeah, my camping pillow. Camping pillow. Mm-hmm. And I have to have my toothbrush. The toothbrush. I gotta take my yeah. toothbrush. That's something I don't leave behind. So yeah. we we did brush our teeth. Well, and always take your toothbrush. Yeah, that's an easy thing to to pack. Yeah. Right. But my comfort item is my pillow. I've, yeah. I've spent so many nights. Um, I could I could have used the pillow. Right. I could have used the pillow. I mean, it changes the game. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, you just need to ensure that you have food, fire, shelter, water. Um, Make that experience enjoyable for them, whatever way you know how. If it's taking some marshmallows and roasting, yeah, you know, I think we did hot chocolate as well. And you don't have to have Arterix this and and MSR that. You don't have to go get all the most expensive gear. No, you can go to Walmart and get this stuff, um, and it's and it's gonna do the job. Yeah, it's gonna do do the job. And really, the job is the experience, the relationship, the time outdoors, away from phones, away from TV. Um, that that's the job really at hand and, and if a walmart sleeping bag and tent gets you out there to do that then by all means please go get that stuff so you can have that experience absolutely yeah and next week i can't wait to, to really dive into what some of that looks like and means yeah. as well so absolutely it was an awesome weekend man i'm so glad i got to do it with you so you believe people should do this 100 percent. okay yeah if, if you're not doing this then what else are you filling your time with right right movies and video games great but if you're doing that all the time and you're you're not experiencing that that moment outdoors with your right um, child or your family, um, I'm gonna tell you right now you're missing out. Yeah, we are creation. Mm-hmm. We should be out in creation experiencing it because we're part of it for yes. sure. So I just want to encourage you guys hearing this: take people fishing, go fishing with someone, find somebody. If you want to go fishing, ask somebody. Um, if you want to reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram. Or go to our website, meanttobeoutdoors.com, and send us an email to ask what you need to go fishing. We'll probably even share a phone number with you. Call us. We would love to help you get and know what you need to do to go out and experience these things. If you're local in our area in southwest Missouri or northern Arkansas, if you're within a day's drive, call us. Maybe we can work something out. We would love to help you. We want as many people to experience the outdoors and the things that we want to instill in our children and that our fathers and uncles and grandfathers instilled in us. Mm-hmm. Um, we think it's important to pass on and we're going to continue to do that. Uh, it's kind of our, our life mission and, and our company's mission and to do that. So please take your kids, spend time outside, restoring mind, restoring behaviors, building those relationships. We hope that our stories, our experiences, we hope they're encouraging to you, right? Yes. I think my last thing in, in everything that we shared what keeps people from going out is fear. Yeah. And you got to do it. You got to experience it to get over some of that fear so that you don't continue to instill that in your in your own children. So um, that's right. We are a resource. And yeah. don't let fear drive what you do. Yeah. So we hope some of the truth that we are sharing with you is a blessing. We hope the Creator's truth is a blessing to you. May your gifts and talents be for other people. May they be a blessing to other people, the people that you have around you. Uh, thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. Between now and next week, we sure hope that you spend some time outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.